0: welcome to the grappling discourse podcast i'm your host matt scaff today i want to break down season two of the pgf we're almost two weeks away from the start of the pgf i cannot wait until that first episode releases but before i find out the results and I start to commentate these matches, I wanted to do a comprehensive breakdown of the competitors that are in season two. We've got 16 guys and they all face each other once. So they each have 15 matches and I believe they did those matches over five days. So each competitor had three matches a day. From my knowledge, I do not believe any competitor gets seriously hurt. So I think each guy participated in all of their matches. From what I hear, the matches are absolutely incredible and we are all going to fall in love with the competitors that competed this season. Now, one of the most fun aspects of season one, and I think what made people really fall in love with the PGF, was the Fantasy League. Creating a fantasy team each week following along was so much fun. And we had so many people participate But the winner of last season, all they got was, drumroll please, absolutely nothing. They didn't win any money. They didn't get any gift certificates or anything. All they got was a pat on the back, and they earned our respect. But for season two, the Fantasy League is it's going to be no joke because there's $1,000 on the line. Brandon has put $1,000 in the pot for the winner of season two's Fantasy League. And all you have to do to enter is follow along each week. It is free to enter. You just need to pay attention and watch the PGF, and you will have a shot at winning $1,000. So you'd be crazy not to participate. Crazy. I wish I could participate. I almost don't want to know the results just so I could have a chance to win $1,000 because I like to think I'm pretty good at following and understanding the jiu-jitsu scenes. I think I could do pretty good, but Can't happen for me. So I want to do my best to help you guys out because I know some of these guys are unknown and there's not a lot of footage out there. So I want to give my thoughts and opinions on each grappler, how I'll do this season. And yeah, so I'm going to be ranting a lot. And now one thing... In the first season, I knew most of the guys and I had trained with almost everyone. So I knew their games pretty well. This season, there's a handful of guys I've never trained with that I had never seen grapple before until I had to do a little bit of research. I had to really dig deep to find some footage for a couple of these guys. But um, I'm going to do my best to break them down as well as some of the guys that I'm really aware of. And, you know, I'm going to be doing in-depth breakdowns, especially for the favorites of season two. But we got to start with talking about this new aspect okay Um, well i guess just the rule changes so in season one the matches were six minutes sub only and if you lost you got zero points and if there was a draw you both got zero points but if there was a submission if it was a kill which is a choke you got seven points if you got a joint lock which they were calling a break you got three points well that's changed a little bit this season So instead of getting seven points for a choke you will receive six points for a joint lock you'll still receive three points now if you get a submission in under a minute then you get an extra point added to your score so if you get a heel hook really quick in 10 seconds then you'll get four points instead of three points and I want to say this is almost the Jonathan Roberts rule because his score was really effective. He had so many quick submissions, but he barely, honestly, like he was in like danger of missing the tournament because almost all of his matches were joint lock finishes. So not quite as big disparity between choking and joint locks. Now, the other big rule change is there are two teams. So there's a red and a blue team. The captains were Elijah Carlton of the red team and Sam Barboza of the blue team. And they actually picked to their own teams. So I believe Sam Barboza got first pick for being the 225 pound champion. And I'm not sure who he picked first, but they, you know, picked out so that until there were no competitors left. And in this season, there are going to be 15 blocks okay so as i said each competitor will face each other once for a grand total of 15 matches for each competitor and each block at the end of it whichever team has scored the most points each competitor on that team will receive an extra point so there's a team element going into this season So it changes things dramatically. And we saw at the end of last season, I mean, Elijah did kind of run away with it, but especially in the second, third, fourth, and fifth spot, like those extra points would have really, really mattered, you know, and we're talking about, you know, hundreds in this season, even like thousands of dollars that are on the line. So you really almost have to be like rooting for your teammates to help you get those extra points. Um, But let's go ahead and talk about the captains we got to first start off with our 225 pound champion the blue team captain sam barboza so sam barboza is a brown belt out of 10th planet jacksonville and he became the 225 pound champion by winning the four man no time limit sub only tournament that was held at the end of season one in the finale and he made quick work of both of his opponents in the finals he faced jake elkins and i know from experience i've grappled with jake a ton jake is a black belt level grappler And i was really impressed with sam's performance he ended up finishing jake in under three minutes jake got the takedown but he ended up in sam's half guard sam got a kimura used it to flip jake and he finished on top with the kimura now, I've watched a lot of Sam Barbosa and I've actually grappled Sam a few times. What I'll tell you from grappling him is he is insanely strong. He is so strong. When he grabs you, he feels like a gorilla. He's way stronger than he looks. He's probably 205, 210 pounds, so he's well under the 225-pound limit, but he is way strong. He's going to be one of the strongest guys, if not the strongest guy in season two and his game is you know he's really good when he gets that kimura very very threatening he told me so when he came up here and he did the combine he was telling we rolled and after that he was telling me a strategy coming into the season he said that he was really looking to get to the front lock position he'd been working uh front headlock position and he had been working his guillotines armed in guillotines i know i've seen him finish a lot of darces over the years so he's really looking to you know he knows that point uh, chokes count for more um than joint locks, so he's going to be really looking to add chokes to his game as I said, I've seen him hit a few darts chokes in competition. I'm not sure if I've ever seen him hit a guillotine choke in competition. Most of the tournaments that I've watched Sam compete in have been EBI OT formats. He's done a lot of the Zapatero Invitational's, And from what I can tell you from having watched easily hours of Sam Barboza competing is his defense is insanely high level. I believe, he was telling me, I think since blue belt, he's only been submitted four times. Now you hear that and you go, oh, you know, he's a brown belt now. Like, yeah, I get it. But, you know, uh, come on. He's a blue and purple belt. Like, how good were those guys? Well, Sam's been competing, you know, since blue belt against some of the top guys in the country. And the guys that have beaten, um, uh, you know, have tapped him in, uh, in c- competition, we got Jason Rao, who's a world class grappler. He's been on Who's Number One, easily one of the best 20 guys in the world at under 185. Pedro Paul Harris, who's a monster black belt out of Florida, footlocked him. Uh, Emil Fisher armbarred him in EBIOT, and then there was one more guy. I think that footlocked him. I can't remember exactly who it was, but we're talking about four guys. And, and Sam has competed. I've seen Sam compete against some just monster, monster level dudes. So it shows me that he is going to be very difficult to put away, even if he ends up in bad positions in under six minutes. I mean, he's used to doing these ten minute EBIOT, you know, EBI rounds, and then going into OT. And, you know, again, he's been very, very difficult to finish for a lot of these high level guys. I think a lot of guys like, you know, even if they do like beat him pretty good in regulation, are going to have a tough time finishing Sam and especially feeling how strong he is. Like, man, you're going to have a really tough time finishing this dude. Now, his EBIOT is absolutely incredible. I've actually never seen somebody survive his back game in the past year he's just been murdering dudes like he's been getting to ebot taking the back and just ripping dudes heads off and if he can get to the back i think he can finish every single dude in this tournament or in uh, in the pgf season two easily but i've never seen him get to the back in regulation so i'm wondering without ebot is he going to be able to find the back because if he gets there as i said it's an automatic finish in my mind against any of these he's looking at this list he's finishing all of these dudes if he can get to the back but can he i don't know how good his back taking ability is like what his favorite paths are he's got an incredibly strong kimura incredibly strong darsh choke from what that from the those are the finish that i've seen him hit uh, consistently in regulation of matches so i think he might have a tough time getting finishes against some of these guys especially without having the ability to go into EBIOT, where he can then just take the back because you know that's the overtime rules. But I think Sam's easily one of the three or four best guys and definitely a favorite to leave as the champion of um, season two. Now, the red team captain. We've got the bad guy, the 195-pound champion, Elijah Carlton. And Elijah Carlton did something that was absolutely incredible in season one and something that will probably never be matched. I mean, he went 24 for 24. He went all 20 of his regular season games by submission and then won all four of the no-time-limit-sub-only matches in the tournament by submission. And he walked away as season one double champ. And he's looking to come in and do the exact same thing in season two. Now, a couple of things about Elijah. I think Elijah, like looking at all these guys, he's, he's still my favorite. He's actually my pick to win season two. I just think Elijah's game is so set up for success in the PGF. He is not only a good leg locker. He has an awesome back game. It's the triangle choke. It's just his ability to find the triangle when he's on bottom. I think that sets him apart from everybody. Because there's a bunch again, a bunch of other monsters in this tournament. But Elijah's got the ability to choke you. And as we know, the chokes count more. And he's got the ability to choke you from bottom, from top, from so many different positions. And I really think that triangle is the best weapon in Season 2 of the PGF. So I'm still betting on elijah you know if i'm a betting man I, I would put money now not as much money like in season one you guys heard me go no no, elijah's gonna win this thing this season ah, man i wouldn't put a lot of money because there's a couple of these guys like i don't know how elijah carlton versus Sam barboza goes i mean i've seen them compete against similar competition and then they have you know really similar results Sam's definitely bigger and stronger than Elijah. Elijah's given up a lot of weight to some of these guys. Elijah's definitely not as big and as strong as when he walked in at the beginning of season uh, one. When Elijah first came into season one, I was like, holy crap. This dude's 195 pounds. Honestly, he was like 200 pounds of just straight muscle. He had to cut a few pounds to make 195. Looks like he's right around probably like 182, 183. So he's lost about 15 pounds and... You know, I definitely think that that could hurt him in in some of these matchups. But, I mean, I love Elijah's game. And I definitely think he's a strong fantasy play every single week. Every single week, Elijah Carlton is a good building block to start your fantasy. Now, I want to go back to the blue team and talk about who a lot of people are picking. I think most people are putting their money on Hunter Colvin. And Hunter Colvin's a black belt out of brothers jiu-jitsu in texas i believe or oklahoma i can't remember which one but black belt out of brothers jiu-jitsu and he's definitely the most accomplished grappler of season two's competitors like he's competes all the time he's been On submission underground he's been on multiple ebi cjj's he's faced a who's who of you know the top grapplers and man this dude's a beast he's probably about 205 he looks so so thick i've never grappled him but he looks very very strong and Hunter's game, like he's a really good top and bottom, but he definitely prefers that Kimura. Like he wants that Kimura grip. I've seen him really sell out, whether it's rolling Kimuras or when he's passing. Like he's looking to get that Kimura grip and he's looking to, you know, either use it to finish the Kimura or take the back and get the rear naked choke. Hunter's a good leg locker, definitely one of the best leg lockers heading into season two. I think he's right on par with Elijah. Like I think him and Elijah have a really, really good leg lock game and probably, I'd probably actually give Elijah maybe the edge. I've seen Elijah definitely finish way more guys with leg locks than Hunter Colvin. But again, I know Hunter's a good, good black belt at leg locks. But as I said, you know, his specialty is getting on top, smashing dudes, getting the and finding the back. I think definitely we'll see Hunter Colvin finish most of his matches by rear naked choke. I mean, it's just anytime I've ever watched Hunter Colvin, it's either Kimura finish, Kimura armbar finish, or Kimura to the back finish by RNC. So I'm, I'm, I'm assuming with this rule set that we're going to see him go for a lot more rear naked chokes i don't know like what his front headlock games like i don't know like like about his triangle game um as i said you know i know he's a good leg locker i know he's elite at getting to the back and especially like elite at just getting the Kimura grip and using that to finish guys but i definitely expect hunter like i would be shocked if hunter didn't finish in the top three and as i said a lot of people are picking hunter to win this season and a lot of guys feel really really confident from the guys that i've talked to um, you know, like, hey, like, who do you think is going to win this season? Almost all of them have said Hunter Colvin. Um, so we'll see. Now, we'll go back to the red team now, and we'll talk about Jake Elkins, who was in the final of that 225-pound tournament. Now, Jake Elkins is an absolute monster. He probably has to cut a few pounds. He definitely has to eat healthy. I know most of the time he's probably walking around about 235. So he's our first guy that, like, is actually 225. Everybody else has been way under, you know, by at least 20 pounds. Jake's a big boy. He's a really, really strong guy. I don't think he lifts very much. He's like, he's just got that grappling strength. He's an elite level wrestler. I look at him and a couple of these other guys. to, to I mean, honestly, Jake's probably the best wrestler, maybe the second best wrestler because one of these other guys did compete at the division one level, but Jake is, I mean, he runs a super successful wrestling club. He's a purple belt under Brandon at 10th Planet Decatur. And he's just, again, one of my toughest training partners. His top game, especially his top game, is so, so good. Like, if you can get him on his back, he's he's decent. He's not, he's not exceptional off of his back. He's got an okay guard, but most of these guys are going to just destroy his guard if they can get him flat-backed. But how many of these dudes can get Jake Elkins on their back? I don't think any of these dudes, except maybe one can out wrestle him. And so they're all gonna be playing from the bottom position. And I love Jake Elkins wrestling. Jake Elkins is a monster when he gets to use his wrestling and then go right into his passing. Jake is very, very good with like knee slices. And he's actually a really good like standing passer. He moves side to side very well. He passes passes ease, um, equally well on both sides. And his favorite submissions are definitely the armbar. I'd say his best submission is the armbar. And this is where it like, kind of like hurts Jake in my mind is he's not very good at leg locks. He's okay. He might be a purple belt level of leg locks, but definitely not to the caliber of, most of these, or some of these guys. I don't know about most, but definitely some of them, especially the top tier guys. Um, but his arm bar is black belt level. It is super, super good. I've been caught in a couple and it's like, you got to tap instantly. He really prefers the Kimura grip. So he also is another guy that like chases that Kimura grip and will finish that. But I wonder how many chokes he can get. Like he's really good at the head and arm. So the arm triangle, really, really strong arm triangle. I think most of his chokes this season will come from the arm triangle. I've never really seen him do too many, uh, guillotines. Now, talking out loud and ranting, I I'm reminded that Jake has a monster Darce choke, so I think the Darce and the arm triangle are going to be the two movements that you know that, that fantasy owners are going to be pleading for him to go for mostly when they pick them when he, when they pick him, uh, for their fantasy team. But again, his his best shot at beating the top level guys are getting that Kimura grip and then going into that straight arm lock. He's got a great mount, and again, from that mount, he really is so good at getting to the arm bar position. Now, moving back to the blue team, we're going to talk about Stephen Aiken. So Stephen Aiken is a a black belt. I believe there's only two black belts in this season, but he's a black belt out of 10th Planet San Diego. So I just was at 10th Planet San Diego, and I can attest there are some monsters in that room. And so for you to get a black belt under Boogie Martinez, you've got to be a G. And Stephen Aiken is, and he's been in the game a long time. He hails from Georgia where he had a handful it's getting ready to say quite a few but a handful of mma fights i don't remember what brought him out to san diego but he trained out there extensively with the boogeyman i believe it was like seven or eight years got his black belt from boogie him and his family moved back to georgia he opened up 10th planet perry i've trained down there still relatively new so i believe it's opened like within the past year so most his guys are white uh white belt level And I wonder how much that's gonna hurt him coming into season two. He hasn't competed in a while, but as I said, this is a guy that has tons of MMA fights and he's done really well on a couple of grappling shows, whether it's been the ADCC trials. I know he's competed against Josh Hinger. So he's seen like elite, top level, world-class level in competition. So none of these guys are gonna scare Stephen Aiken. I mean, again, he's used to training with the boogeyman. He's competed against the likes of, you know, some of Atos' top guys and he did really really well at the ultimate mat warrior that always has top level talent. So I think Steven Aiken's like a big dark horse. Like he's he's one of the guys that I look at that I don't know, man. I, I've grappled with Steven a couple times. There is a big like weight um, disparity between us. Steven's one of the guys that really has to cut. Like I bet this cut was really big for him. I bet he walks around about 250, 255. So I think he really had to eat clean for, you know, a month or probably two months to just make 225. So, so I, I'm looking at him as though, like a dark horse and i know he's got a good half guard i know he's got a really good like arm triangle but i don't know about much about steven other than that so i wonder if steven like you know because i I do know like a lot of his movements that he likes are kind of those straight short straight arm locks but other than that again i don't know much about him so i don't know like how many times you know he's going to get those choke points but but we'll see he's got a monster half guard really really monster on top i'm interested to see how steven aiken does in this um in the pgf uh, format now back to the red team we're going to go to the main the matt elkins now matt elkins is a guy that i think is also a dark horse i just love matt's game just like elijah i love matt's game for the pgf he has the best front headlock game of anybody in this season in my opinion Matt's guillotine is high level black belt. When he grabs your head, you have to respect it. Now, Matt, one thing that like really, really helps him with the PGF is that leg locks only get three points. Now, this time, if you get a quick leg lock, you could get four points, but you know, Matt really was aided by uh, last season. We saw him have a, first, uh, a tough first couple of weeks and then he went on that string. I think he won like 11 or 12 matches in a row by choke. And I could see you know, the same thing happening this time. is like him having a couple of, of tough matches and then him just going on this long streak of choking dudes because he's got the wrestling to stand up. you know. And if you shoot on him, the threat's always there. So I look for Matt to have a really good season. I think he's a strong fantasy play most times, but he is smaller. He is on the smaller side. He was walking around about 190, 195 last season. I wonder if he's beefed up to 200 pounds, but i think matt matt's a strong play and he's a black belt level grappler and he's definitely one of the fan favorites i mean he finished second in uh, pgf season one and i wonder if that experience will just really play a huge part um, in his ability to find success in season two Moving back to the blue team, we're going to talk about another PGF Season 1 veteran. We got Kevin Primo. And Kevin was also like a fan uh, fan favorite. He had a couple of the most memorable matches in Season 1. Maybe probably the most memorable match that hour and 10-minute war with Joe Kai and that just shows you everything you need to know about kevin primo and what to expect kevin's movement is top notch he's competed against some high 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 level grapplers he's done probably 20 mma fights i just love kevin's competition mindset and kevin's got a really really weird game and we saw him last season struggle at times to finish guys quickly and some of those matches like Kevin finished in the top eight, but he had a handful of matches, three or four, just thinking off the top of my head, where he needed like last-minute submissions against guys to beat them. He's got a very grindy game. And so I think this season we could see maybe even Kevin do better than in season one just because Kevin... Um, you know, he plays that grinding game. I think he can out cardio most of these guys, and you know, he just he wears on dudes. You know, and he's got a lot of really see uh, sneaky attacks. And if you don't train with Kevin regularly, you're just not prepared for a lot of the attacks that he throws at you. He loves going into that turtle position and using that to sweep and to threaten arm locks. And on top, you know, we saw him hit a chest compressor last season. We saw him hit a lot of. I think he hit two or three one armed. RNCs. Um, he finished a handful of arm triangles. I believe he finished a punch choke. So he's got a diverse choke game. Um, I, I could see, I could see Kevin finishing in the top eight. I don't think Kevin has top four potential this season. I think these guys are just a little little bit bigger a little bit better than last season so i I think we could see kevin go through a bit of a struggle you know depending on you know who he's up against especially against the favorites this season but kevin's definitely you know an absolute beast and you know i I think he could be a strong play uh depending on who he's got in this uh in that block or who he's going up against in that week but moving back to the red team we're going to talk about Let's talk about Zach Edwards, the squid billy. And Zach Edwards is one of the guys that I'm like most excited to see. I've met Zach once or twice. We've never trained together. Zach actually started training four years ago and he got his brown belt in three years. Three years from Zach and JM at 10th Planet Bethlehem. And you guys know that I think the world of 10th Planet Bethlehem, they produce some of the best talent in the world with Thor and Grace Gundrum. And honestly, J.M. and Zach are monster black belts themselves. So anytime I hear a guy is a brown belt, purple, any belt under those guys, I know that they're really, really good. And for them to give Zach Edwards a brown belt in three years i mean this this kid's got to be special and zach loves to compete i've seen him compete on a million different shows from fight to win to third coast grappling to some three team events to finishers like he loves to compete and he's competed against world champion black belts he's competed against donning a couple of donna hair students and he's done well every single time i can't think of a time I, i've seen zach edwards I mean, i don't think i've ever seen him just get like Beat bad, and I think even against some of these top level guys, like he always shows out. He always looks like he belongs, and so I think he could be a dark horse. I know some guys are expecting, um, you know, him to do well. Now, my biggest issue with Zach Edwards is almost every single match that I've seen him win has been by leg lock. I don't know what his choke game is like i never have really seen him on the back when i've seen him in ebot he doesn't look comfortable in those positions he's most comfortable playing the guard and entering into the leg positions his fifty fifty though his fifty fifty game might be the best in 10th planet i mean he's got some really really cool tricks he's got a devastating russian toehold he calls it the russian toehold that's really funky i was hoping if i was going to be here for this week that was like the one thing like of all the competitors i wanted to ask zach edwards about that russian toehold because i've seen him t- uh, tap a lot of really good dudes with it from 50 50. so I-, I think zach can beat any of these dudes and he definitely can like you know draw against any of these dudes But I wonder, you know, does he have the ability to finish in the top four? I don't think so. I think he's going to leave a lot on the boards. Thank Jonathan Roberts when you think about Zach Edwards. He's got the ability to absolutely tear through any of these guys, but he's also probably going to leave a lot of points on the board, and his um, placement at the end will not reflect maybe how well he competed during season two. Moving back to the blue team, we're going to talk about Keemoy Anderson. So, Kimoy Anderson's a brown belt out of El Paso. He comes from the way of New York. So, I i uh i didn't know that i don't know much about kimoy I, I really am just relying on a couple of instagram clips and a couple of matches i saw him have in arizona i know he's an mma fighter so that always tells me something about him so he's going to want to be on top uh i know he likes to pass the guard and the finishes that i have seen him hit in competition have been triangle chokes, have been triangle variations so i'm expecting to see some really funky stuff because like the matches i've watched of kimoy like he'll try some flying attacks he'll try some crazy stuff and i think kimoy like he's he looks incredibly strong i was actually asking some of the guys out in san diego about kimoy because they've trained with him at el paso and they're telling me he's a real strong grappler he's got some very interesting uh movements and he definitely can catch some high level dudes so I don't. I'm not putting Kimoy in the dark um, in the dark horse category. I I think he'll be. I'm just gonna go ahead and make a prediction that he might struggle to make the top eight this season. I think he's gonna have some really good, surprising finishes, maybe against some of the top guys. Like he, he might hold, uh, might be able to, you know, stop a dude like, you know, maybe, maybe Elijah Carlton or maybe, you know, Hunter Colvin from scoring. But I do think he's going to struggle himself to score just, just from just from the few matches I've seen. But at the same time, I don't know much about this guy. So, you know, week one, he might, you know, get three chokes. And then you're like, oh, I didn't pick him on Fancy because you said that, you know, you, you thought he would struggle to finish in the top eight. But... that's just my impression. Um, Again, I know he likes to be on top, and most of the submissions I've seen him hit have been from the top position. I mean, when you get an MMA fighter, you know they're going to be strong. You know they're going to do really, really well on top. I don't know what his wrestling's like. So there's a lot of strong wrestlers in this, a lot of strong takedown artists in this season. So it might be a struggle for him to get to the top position, but we'll see. Moving back to the red team, we're going to talk about Joshua gibbs so joshua gibbs is a purple belt out of virginia and he's homies with caleb McAllister, one of the favorites fan favorites of season one he started watching because of caleb i'm not sure like what type of gym he trains out whether it's gi nogi if he's done any, uh, any mma but i've watched him grapple and i mean yeah he, he's a good blue uh, excuse me he's a good purple belt like he, he looks pretty good Um, I, I think he's going to really struggle this season as well. I think his, like playing him is going to be matchup based. I I don't really know what his strong submissions are, but, um, I I just know that he's a purple belt. So that's really all I can give you about Joshua Gibbs is that he's, he's a purple belt from Virginia. So you're going to be taking a risk on him, especially for the first couple of weeks. Um, you know, if you're thinking about playing him for your fantasy team. Now I'm going to go ahead and stop right there because I want to just like mention some of you guys are like you know maybe if you didn't play the fantasy like well why wouldn't I just choose Elijah Hunter and Sam every single week well you cannot spend over a certain limit so I think last season it was $66 and so you had to choose players up to $66 and Elijah Carlton some some weeks was like $27 so if you chose Elijah you used more than a third of your bankroll And so, man, you almost use like half your brain crawl on one guy. And so, yeah, maybe you use Elijah and some other guy, you know, he gets more competitors because, you know, he didn't use Elijah. He might've used, you know, somebody like whoever, like Nilo and maybe Nilo balled out. Or I remember one week, Noah Randolph. So Noah Randolph is a 17 year old blue belt and he was the highest scoring player in one of the weeks and only a few people used him. And so they Absolutely dominated. And like, I think the guy that ended up winning, like, he won because he separated himself from the pack because he played Noah that week, where Noah scored like 24 fantasy points. And so you really do need to, it's honestly almost more important to pay attention to the guys I'm getting ready to mention because they're the ones that are going to make or break you in this upcoming fantasy season. It's like the $1,000 will be won because some guy, you know, took a gamble on Joshua Gibbs and Joshua Gibbs maybe got two or three chokes that night. And you know, that's set him apart from everybody else. But moving back to the blue team, we're gonna talk about Grayson Webster, the longtime lifelong martial artist out of Webster's Karate. So Webster's Karate is a local martial arts school, actually in Decatur. So it's cool to have another school, like a local, like super local. It's like 10-15 minutes from us. Um, you know, the Webster family was always awesome to Brandon. Brandon started off 10th Planet Decatur at Webster's Karate, and I've never trained with Grayson. I know Grayson, as I said, he's been training Tung Sudo Do and under his father, Jamie Webster, for his whole life, and I've actually grappled his father a couple of times when I was a white belt, and I would say Jamie was like a good, like a really good blue belt, maybe low-level purple belt at the time I grappled him, and this is years ago. Again, I was a white belt, but... I wonder, like, I know, like, their main focus is self-defense. You know, they're really, really good at Tung Sudo, do And I know they've done a lot of, like, basic, like, Gracie combatives. Like, they really focus on Gracie combatives. So, you know, Grayson's been training arm bars, triangles, kimuras, you know, hip bumps, um, you know, arm bars for mount, that type of thing, like, most of his life. But he doesn't – He has not been training, like, competition jiu-jitsu, like – modern jiu-jitsu for very long he just got his blue belt from triad martial arts and triad's an awesome school daniel O'Brien's absolutely amazing he's a great grappler but they also don't really work on a lot of modern jiu-jitsu they're very self-defense oriented as well and so i just wonder if his game if he's going to struggle because he he's one of the least experienced guys but at the same time he is a lifelong martial artist and so i wouldn't be surprised maybe he's got a few tricks up his sleeves maybe he upsets some guys i'm not sure i think it's going to be a really like a long long shot for grayson to finish in the top eight i think you know most weeks he's not going to be the most viable fantasy option um you know from just thinking about that gracie combatives like if you've been training gracie combatives and then having trained with daniel and a lot of Daniel's students you know it's very joint lock heavy It's a slower pace so I, i just think he's really going to struggle under this format moving back to the red team we're going to talk about mega mike johnson and mike johnson is that's what the, that's what all the guys were calling him was was mega mike uh and mike johnson's absolutely built mike has trained at 10th planet Indicator a couple of times i have not rolled with him but i have watched him roll and i've talked to guys that have rolled with him he just they say he's super strong and super heavy he's got a good game Um, I don't think Mike has – I know he's a purple belt under SBG, so he's coming from that same lineage as Matt Elkins, but I don't really know much about his game, especially like what submissions he prefers. You know, looking at him, you just would imagine Americana and Gamora, maybe north-south choke. Like he's just built like a stud. I don't know much about his competition pedigree, but as I said, like I know that he's got – um you know he's he's good on top everybody that's rolled with him is like he's super tough to finish super strong and he's got good passing like once he gets on top side control you want to die it just sucks so he's another guy like I, I wonder like is he gonna be able to fin? like get finishes in under six minutes what's his ability to like defend leg locks so i know like matt elkins you know he trained for years and he's an awesome awesome amazing black belt level grappler but he really struggled with leg lock. So is Mike Johnson going to have this leg lock weakness? Are we going to see guys like you know pick off Mike Johnson at the legs? I think it's going to be tough to choke Mike Johnson. Just looking at him, you know, when he walks in a room, you just—he's one of those guys you look at and go, he doesn't really have a neck. Like, how am I supposed to beat this dude? So you know, if I'm thinking about beating Mike Johnson, I'm probably just going to you know sell out for the legs. It's going to be tough to to finish him anywhere else. So we'll see. I think Mike Johnson though you know he could be one of those guys this season that really throws a monkey wrench like it will come down to three or four guys near the end and you know they're, they're like how they do against mike johnson might really separate them so maybe elijah carlton you know finds a triangle choke on mike johnson and hunter colvin has to you know get a leg lock and that might be what separates them at the top. Or maybe even, you know, Mike Johnson gets a draw with one of those guys, and that's what separates them at the top. So I really look at Mike not as a dark horse, but as a guy that's definitely going to upset some of the top-level guys because they cannot finish them. So I'm excited to see. I love, again, all these Alabama guys that are in it. Like, I'm kind of secretly rooting for them. I just want him to show well for the state of Alabama. But moving back to the blue team, we're almost done, guys. I know I've been rambling for a long time. Uh, We're going to talk about Randy Roden. And so Randy is a very interesting, um, he's a very, very interesting competitor. He's been training the least amount of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu by far of everyone in the PGF. I think he's been training just under a year. But he wrestled Division I at Duke. When Randy first came, he's trained once, I think he's only trained one time at 10th Planet Decatur. And he came with a couple of guys, and I trained with a couple of guys before. They're just like blue belts, and so I didn't think much about him. I thought they just had brought along because I think he was just wearing, like, a T-shirt and shorts. So he looked really strong. Like, he looked strong. His legs are thick. Thick. But I didn't think much about him. I thought, you know, our purple belts would handle him. Blue and purple belts would handle him super easy. But I remember looking over and I was watching him roll with Kevin Primo, and he was giving Kevin everything he wanted. So I was like, man, what's this guy's story? Well, I found out after the practice that yeah, this, this kid had wrestled, just got done wrestling division one at Duke, and you know he's really starting to get into grappling competitions, and he really wants to get into it, uh, into grappling competitions and trying to compete at a high level. So he's training out of a small gym in Georgia. I think he's the wrestling coach there. I think the head coach is a purple belt. Maybe he just got his brown belt. So again, he's another guy. Like I know hey, you're a division one wrestler at Duke. Like you've grappled black belt level grappler. So he's in that. like he's a guy that, like, man, he's a black belt level grappler. But I wonder about his submissions. Like in a year, almost every wrestler I know, no matter how high level they were, they weren't good at submissions. Like, they were just now starting to get one or two things they like to do, and they could finish guys, but they definitely weren't finishing high level guys, um, you know, at this point. Now, they could control a good guy, like a really good dude, but they couldn't tap him. And the PGF, it's all about tapping dudes. He's another guy I look at with, how season one played out where a lot of the matches started on the feet we saw so much wrestling in season one so i imagine in season two with it being 225 pound and under like these big guys they want to get on top they're used to being on top and so randy's going to have a huge advantage against everyone except maybe jake elkins i think him and jake elkins are by far the two best wrestlers probably followed by matt elkins but I mean, Randy, he's going to be tough to get to the ground. And can you finish him? Like, if you don't have a lot of time to finish him, like, I I don't know. You know, maybe he just decides to stand up. Maybe he decides to run away. Maybe like he could be another guy just like Mike Johnson, where a lot of these guys, these top level guys are getting draws because they just can't get him to the ground. So I'm interested to see how Randy plays out this season, what submissions he likes. When I watched him at our gym, I didn't see him hit any submissions. Like it just was a lot of like control and you know, he was like pinning guys. Um, he did get submitted a couple of times. I want to say by leg lock. So that's another thing. Like with his wrestling pedigree, I wonder if a lot of guys aren't gonna try and pick off his legs and just go, screw it. You know, I'm I'm just gonna chase the legs and see if I can get maybe four points because I get a really quick leg lock. Um, you know, so I can get that extra point or even just going, hey, you know, I'll take whatever I can against Randy. So we'll see. Um, I think Randy's really going to struggle to finish in the top eight. And yeah, we'll we'll see. Now, moving back to the red team, we are at the final, oh, no, 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 there's two more competitors to talk about. We've got James Regina. So James Regina is a purple belt out of 10th Planet Kansas City. And I've, think i've rolled with james regina one time when i was a brown belt and he might have been a white or blue belt i think he might have been a i don't know but he's a purple belt now he's an mma fighter and he's active mma fighter i you know i hear 10th planet purple belt active mma fighter much like Kamoy, you know i'm expecting a few things now i know james regina is like really long Uh, you know, he's got long limbs and I think he, he really likes like Darce chokes. He might even be like a rubber guard player. Um, I think James is another guy that, you know, given the matchup that week, he might do like, like he might like, you know, catch a couple of guys and like help you win that week. And that could be the difference between you winning the thousand dollars or not. But at the same time, I think he's going to really struggle with the top-level guys. I think he's a guy that's going to be on that fringe of the top eight. I look at him really finishing in the ninth or tenth spot. He definitely, in my opinion, will not finish um, you know, in the bottom five, but I, I think he's going to be between eight and 11. Um, now, looking back at the blue team, who else do we have? We've got Judo Justin Williams. So we've got a Judo- black belt and i know he's done a lot of japanese jiu-jitsu i don't think he's ever trained really brazilian jiu-jitsu he's done a lot of training at webster's karate so he's also seen a lot of kind of that um gracie combatives and i just i don't know much about him i know he did an in-house tournament so he's i should say first that he's a local guy from decatur he did a um the only time i've seen him grapple was he did an in-house tournament we held maybe four years ago and honestly, this might come to shock to you guys because I think he's the oldest guy in this tournament. Uh, I think I'm pretty sure he's the oldest guy in this tournament by you know quite a few years. Most of these guys are pretty young. But man, Justin Williams, when he did that in-house tournament a couple of years ago, he had an insane flying armbar. Like insane. So it was no gi, hit an insane flying armbar, no gi, and then he got heel hooked by one of our purple belts in the next match. Um, pretty quickly so uh, you know i wonder you know he's a judo guy i wonder how his judo is going to translate especially with most of these guys having a lot of wrestling experience I-, I think this is a big testament you know we've got again like you know a local judo black belt but like how are his takedowns going to translate for mike for for uh for his season success like in my opinion it's going to come down to like how many takedowns he gets you know, because if his takedowns don't work, like he's gonna really, really, really struggle. You know, I just imagine, you know, he he's a you know judo teacher. Like he's probably like ending on top most of the time. I just wonder how much nuwaza. So nuwaza is what they call you know the ground grappling in judo. Like I wonder how much nuwaza he trains. Um, I don't know. You know, I wonder what his leg lock game is like. again all i've seen is like he had a really really awesome flying armbar a couple of years ago and then he got leg locked pretty quickly in the next match i think justin you know is going to struggle to finish out of the bottom three i kind of i kind of expect and look for him to finish in that and i think he's going to be a guy that a lot of people target you know and they see like you know maybe a guy like joshua gibbs or maybe a guy like um you know, even like Grayson Webster or Randy Roden, like you might go, okay, like I think maybe they can they can get some points from Justin Williams. But we'll see, you know, who knows what this crafty, you know, judo black belt has up his sleeves. Like he might be the guy, you know, after you know, week three, you're going, dude, like he might you might want to be playing Justin Williams. Uh, moving back to the last competitor. So we're gonna talk about the last guy here. We're gonna finish it with the tenth planet decatur guy, one of our blue belts, Evan Stapler. And so, him being a tenth planet blue belt, he's trained with me, you know, for a couple, me and Brandon for a couple of years. Evan is a game time performer. He has won a handful of tournaments now, two in my mind, where I honestly thought there was no way he was gonna win. The first one was he had been training for four or five months, and he entered this local tournament, and there were it was an eight man white male ap, uh, eight man white belt absolute bracket and i knew a couple of the other white belts like there were some sandbaggers some sandbaggers and we had one of the guys in the bracket that i thought there was no way evan could beat well turns out that student that i thought had a really good chance of winning that bracket he lost in the first round and evan won the whole thing he made two guys quit i couldn't believe it like he made two guys quit from just you know just not stopping and evan came in like he had like wrestled like two years I and mean, you guys if you guys have been listening to the podcast you know he he did an interview on the podcast but he wrestled for like two years then he got super fat and then he lost 100 pounds so you know he came into 10th planet decatur at like 310 i think and you know now he's walking around about 205 so he's lost like just over a hundred pounds and i'm just super super proud of this guy now I I'm not sure, you know, how his game is going to stack up against a lot of these dudes. I definitely think Evan wins a couple of matches. That's what I'll tell you. I know the arm triangle is his favorite move. It's definitely his best move. Um, but he's still a blue belt, you know, that he doesn't have a lot of submissions. He, you know, he's got two or three. His best submission is honestly he just breaks dudes with his cardio. His cardio for his size is you know, just outstanding. And so I think he could wear on a couple of these big guys and maybe, you know, cause a big upset. He just has always performed way above his pay grade. That's all I'll tell you. It's like there's just times Evan shouldn't win and he wins. So I do look for him to win 3 or 4 matches, maybe even maybe even 5. Maybe he even wins a third of his matches this season, and I think he could be another viable fantasy option. Now, I don't think there's any way he makes the, you know, final 8. Uh, But I'm really hoping to see him finish outside of the top, you know, the bottom three. If he could finish in the top 10, you know, that ninth or 10th or 11th spot, I think it'd be a really, really good season for Evan Stapler. He's decent at wrestling. I expect him, though, most of the time to to actually be on the losing end of the stand-up exchanges. But when he can get to the top, he's an absolute handful. That wraps it up, guys. I just talked for, shoot, looking 47 minutes on all of the competitors. So, you know, use that as a reference. Don't blame me, though, if, you know, a guy like Joshua Gibbs or Kimoy Anderson dominates and they finish in the top three because I don't know much about them, you know. They could be absolute studs, but I really think the, the champion from this season will be Elijah Carlton. I think Hunter will finish second, and I think... I think Sam Barboza will finish third. So I think we'll see a lot of chalk at the top. But one of the things that makes this season so interesting is there always is a dark horse. So in last season, Jonathan Roberts was that dark horse for me. He absolutely killed it. He was so much better than I thought. Like I heard this dude was good, but man, I didn't know he was like a really, really good black belt. So I'm expecting that, especially this season with not knowing, you know, even more guys. One of these guys is going to surprise everybody, and they're going to finish in the top three or four. We'll, see. we'll just have to wait and see where it is. Make sure you guys tune in in a couple of weeks. Make a fantasy team. $1,000 is on the line. Do not miss it. Peace.